because you're jumping back into the gut. All right. Hey, Coach. Welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media, on Twitter at Bball Immersion, or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Coaches, welcome to the podcast. Grateful to welcome Yurik Malagi here. Joel Justice and Adrian Autry. Coaches, welcome. How you doing? Morning. Good morning. Afternoon. I don't know. We're all over the globe. We're all over the place. Morning, afternoon, whatever it is. Chris, good morning, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, and I want to just say, like, this has been amazing. Like, we put this together pretty quickly, and all of you had great timing to be able to get this done. So this is going to be a treat for everyone. And uh, maybe I'll start with you, Adrian, just with this. And uh, these are unique to your program, obviously, that you're with. But I'm curious, what do you feel is the most important value you bring to your head coach and their program? Well, I think, obviously, me being a, a former player, um, playing here um, at Syracuse and, and graduating and going on and coming back, uh, just uh, being from a player standpoint, I also knowing coach for over 20 years. I think just that, that bridge, um, that communication part, um, to being able to talk about our program and not really sell it, but just really talk about it more in an intimate fashion of what it's like to be at Syracuse and how it is to play for coach and obviously the benefits of, of coming to a, a great university like this. I think that's the, the value that I bring just because of, like I said, my experience of playing, for, playing under coach and now being able to work with coach. Uh, it's great. And all your paths are different. And Joel, your path was a little different in terms of that. You were not a former player, player for your current head coach. So what value do you bring to them? Well, I think in, you know, the, I guess the, the four months that I've been out here, you know, trying to figure out, you know, the, the, the most value that you can bring uh, to Bobby has, has been something that uh, you, you maybe learn a little bit about each day. Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing that, that, you know, Bobby and I have, have talked a lot about is, okay, how do we take the next step? here at Arizona State. And uh, I think my experience, you know, the last seven years of working for, you know, Cal at Kentucky, you know, you see things done um, at an elite, you know, level. You see things done, you know, for our uh, student athletes, you know, that that can hopefully transfer, you know, to, to our program here at Arizona State. And, um, I think that's been the biggest thing for me uh, and, and Bobby is, is trying to figure out, okay, what what parts, you know, do we uh, need to add uh, or polish up both on the floor and off the floor uh, to, to help take that next step? It's, it's great stuff. And we're going to get into that a little bit about the attraction of hiring someone who was at, say, Kentucky in terms of uh, another coach wanting to hire that person. Now, you're, your situation is a little different because you've been with Coach Beard and now you guys are moving to a, another challenge and another opportunity. Yeah, I, I would I would say, um, and I would hope Coach Beard would say the same. Um, but just the you know the fact that I've probably uh, gotten a time, chance to work with him longer than any of our other uh, assistant coaches, um, I would think the value would be knowing what he wants, both you know on the court and off the court, um, and not just from recruiting, but just you know in terms of our culture. You know, we we take a lot of pride in and and having one of uh, the strongest cultures in college basketball. Um, and so just understanding that importance and how to carry yourself, you know, on campus with administration and 
you know, at donor dinners or, you know, uh, how, what he expects in, in the classroom, the excellence. And then even the, just the small details, you know, the, tip, the, the, the success comes from the details. So uh, just from, you know, offensive drills, defensive drills, his terminology, the whole nine, and just trying to help, you know, uh, Rodney Terry and Jaren's Howard have a smooth transition um, and not just identifying what players work best for Coach Beard, but then also what we're trying to get done offensively and defensively on the court as well. So, well, it's great. And uh, I guess it's a standard answer. You're all doing your best for your current program. We know that. But at the same time, is it okay to be preparing for your future head coaching opportunity at the same time? Is that something that's okay in your opinion? I'll go first with that one. Um, I believe it is. I think um, as we all, you know, strive to become the head coach and take that next seat, uh, you know, this is this is the, the greatest experience, you know, as you go through it with your coach. And obviously, I think you always have to be able to uh, evaluate every day, every situation, and don't let a situation kind of get past you without evaluating and putting yourself in that position. I know that, you know, that's what I do on a daily basis from uh, watching film to preparing for practice to after practice to handling, you know, our academic meetings. Um, when situ situations come up, um, things like that, you know, I try to take advantage of that and try to put myself in that situation and see how I would handle it. And obviously, you know, uh, how coach handles it and, and, and kind of come in between and make it your own. So for me, I think, you know, every coach should be handling every situation every day that way to prepare themselves. So learning as much as you can about everything that happens within the program is obviously a part of that. Um, Joel or Yurik, are you, are you keeping notebooks? Do you have active sessions with your head coach in terms of mentorship to prepare for these opportunities? What are the practical things that are happening as well? So, you know, I wish I would have journaled when I worked for Larry Brown, Danny Casper, uh, some of these other great coaches that I've been blessed to work for, uh, but I didn't miss that opportunity here. I knew, I knew exactly what I was walking into, uh, having an opportunity to work for Chris Beard. And so for the last two years, you know, I journal every day. I take notes, not just in practice, uh, but in every meeting, um, just all day long, man. I keep an index card and a pen on, on deck. Um, I just, I wish I had that from Larry Brown and I, I wasn't going to miss that opportunity. You know, a lot of coaches, man, they don't, they don't embrace that idea of developing people. Um, and Chris, Chris Beard is the best developer of people that I've ever been around. And it's not just the players, it's the coaches too, it's the managers. He's intentional about it. Uh, and so I'm just, I'm, I'm thankful to, to work for a head coach that pours in us and hold us at a high level. You know, sometimes we all think he's crazy, uh, but he just demands excellence. And uh, he's all about winning a national championship and he'll die trying. And so uh, as an assistant, it's just one of those things where, man, I, I want to, I want him to be satisfied with what I'm doing, whether it's, you know, uh, running a drill or my relationship with the player or whatever the case is, I just want him to know that I'm doing the best that, that I can. And it's at a championship level. So, uh, he, he, we talk openly about, uh, everybody on our staff becoming head coaches. Um, and not just our three assistants, everybody, he doesn't want to hire anybody that doesn't strive to be a head coach. The other thing is we talk to our players about being NBA guys. It's something that we have an open conversation about. And so, uh, I'm thankful for him being able to put me in situations where, uh, I'm able to, to, uh, do check a lot of different boxes, you know, uh, prior to coming here, I had never been in a budget meeting. I had never been in a marketing meeting and coach allowed me to do those, some of those things. I, I was a part of fundraising 
or, or uh, a, a facility project. We built a brand new practice facility in Lubbock before we left. And so to be a part of some, some things like that is just, it's been a blessing, man. So, uh, and I don't take it for granted. And that inclusion is that, in your opinions, is that normal at most places? Joel, at no. Kentucky, were you very included in a lot of those different things? I think at Kentucky, um, you know, you have a, a <laughs> enormous amount of, of help, I guess, in, in terms of staff size. Um, and I'm, I'm not, you know, familiar as familiar with with you know other programs at, at the highest level, even. But uh, but I know at Kentucky. Um, you were, we were, however, you know, very, very good at what you did. Uh, and, and that was a big reason to be honest, I me mean, listening to, to the way yours is talking about his, his responsibilities and, uh, I guess, access to, to different parts of college basketball and running a program was a intriguing part about coming to work with, with Bobby here at Arizona state and, and, and learning more, um, you know, I really felt like I was an, an all-star for Cal in my role uh, at Kentucky. And I, I would hopefully think he would say the same thing. And, and he was um, extremely supportive and positive of, of making the move that I did, you know, to, to come and learn more, uh, learn different aspects of the program. I mean, I, as I'm sitting here looking right now, I'm staring at a whiteboard with uh, a schedule three years out. Um, you know, at Kentucky, our schedule kind of ran itself. Uh, it was a guarantee games and it was champions classic CBS sports classic Louisville home and home. Um, and then, like I said, guarantee games, you know, we did our own MTE at uh, Kentucky here. I mean, I'm, I've been on the phone, you know, trying to find MTEs. Um, I'm actually trying to find one this year. So we don't have to go to the battle for Atlantis and see, uh, see the, the teams that we have to see down there. So, so if red, if you got any ideas on that one of how to get, a, get, get you guys out, I'd take that one. But, um, but, but that's such a great know, point it, that Joel is bringing up is the fact that sometimes like everyone thinks all oh, the greatest job in the world is an assistant at Kentucky, but there's somewhat limited growth in that sense because they have so much staff around them, as opposed to some of these other schools that you've experienced. I mean, Europe in particular, you've been to a lot of the smaller, uh, lower level division one schools. Yeah, you know, um, even when I got my start, I was a head manager at Howard University uh, to start. And, you know, people ask me all the time, why don't why don't I say student assistant or, you know, but I, I like to motivate those other head managers. I was a head manager. I, I really was almost like a third assistant, you know, uh, and it was a blessing in disguise because, you know, uh, Coach Frankie Allen at that time realized, man, a little 18, 19 year old could do some some things. And I worked, you know, Kevin Bagger was on that staff, said Coach Ryder. Uh, Aki Collins was our associate coach who pushed me every day. You know, I called him my uncle. Um, and so those guys saw something special in me. And, uh, you know, I actually lost my academic scholarship, you know, messing with those guys. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but I got a chance to run camp. And, you know, like you said, it was just sort of staff. So I got a chance to do a lot of things for free um, and, and, and show some responsibility, which prepared me ultimately for my first coaching job right out of college. Well, it's really good because it shows that all three of you had very different entries into the college profession. And Adrian, you already talked about your bridge, which is you were a former player, but not just a former player. I think there's tremendous value to the diversity of your former playing career, where it was like different locations, different coaches. You've been exposed to more styles than probably anyone. Yeah, um, my, my playing experience overseas really had a big impact on me actually coming back and, uh, you know, 
pursuing the college game or trying to make an impact, but the experience that I've grown that that that, that it provided me to grow as a person. Um, obviously, seeing different styles of basketball. You know, when I played in Europe, I mean, gee, I mean, I had a chance to play against these young guys like Manuel Ginobili, Dirk Nowitzki. You know, I was in probably eight different countries. So, you know, that that really shaped shaped me as a basketball player and my basketball mind. And uh, so that that was something that I carry with me to this day. You know, those relationships and being able to see different things and bring different things and different ideas you know, to Coach Beheim, you know, he may not be receptive to all of them, but I'm always, you know, trying to uh, bring different things that, you know, through my experiences, I'm playing on some of the best, you know, not only local country um, with their teams, but they, it was national, you know, I was playing in the Euro League, so I had a chance to play against some of the best coaches uh, in, in Europe, so that was really um, beneficial for me, and, uh, and just going back to uh, how I entered uh, with the schedule and just kind of piggybacking on um, Joel and Yuri is that uh, I had a chance to be a director of operations with uh, Seth Greenberg when I entered this business and I had to do everything um, that these guys talked about. So I was exposed to that right away, right from the right out the gate. So that really helped me um, now and, uh, you know, giving some input on scheduling or giving some input on, on, on buy games and, and, and tournaments and stuff like that with coach. So um I definitely understand, you know, when Joel said, you know, given an opportunity to grow in different areas and being exposed to different meetings, you know, as a director of ops, it's at, when I was at, uh, at Virginia Tech, I had a chance to sit into all those meetings, academic buildings, all that stuff. So it's definitely uh, something that if you're not an assistant coach, you, when you are assistant coach, you need to try to get involved as much as possible because those things help shape everything that you do as a head coach. So that's something you just said, and I think you're explained this already, that every assistant thinks their head coach is crazy. And <laughs> that's fair, right? We all do. But you guys are going to be head coaches and your assistants are going to think you're crazy, too. So what perspective does that give you, maybe, Yurik, when you think about some of the things that, you know, you're going, wow, this is this is amazing. And later, obviously, you probably appreciate more. You know, um, I know I'm going to be demanding. Uh, but I'm going to be loving too, you know, and, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, you know, uh, you know, you're going to be an offensive coach or a defensive coach. I, I feel confident I can, I can teach both, but I, I'm a relationship coach. Um, and I think kids don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care, but adults are the same, you know? And so Chris Beer's the best at one capturing your heart. You tell him what you want to do. And now he got you. You say you want to be a head coach. Okay. This is what I expect. You know what I mean? And so you want to be a pro. This is what I expect every day. And so uh, I, the best coaches that I've worked for are all demanding. Uh, and when you look back at it, younger in my younger days in my career, I would be like, man, it's so hard. Da, da, da. But then you look back. And then so when I was an opportunity, when, when this job came available, we got fired at Texas A&M. I was intentional about wanting to get hooked up with somebody who had a strong culture, who I felt like um, was an elite leader. Uh, and, and Chris Beard had a similar path. You know, I was a student assistant head manager. So was he, you know, he played on a successful high school team in the state of Texas. So did I. And so I saw some parallels there and I wanted to know what made him national coach of the year. Where did he get this confidence from? And so to be able to understudy, you know, to study under him is just been a blessing, man. You know, but I think guys have to be intentional about the jobs that they take and who they work for. Hey, Coach, brief interruption from the podcast. Have you heard of Spotify Greenroom? Spotify Greenroom is a free audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Start to join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. 
Talk with other sports fans, insiders, athletes, and executives in real time. I host a room every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the conversation. Follow me at B-Ball Immersion on Twitter to be notified when my room goes live. Well, and I love this part of it, that all of you have had different experiences, and it's not just been in one program with one coach over time. And uh, that just gives you this whole perspective. Uh, Joel, maybe you can talk a little bit, because another part that goes with what you're saying is this work-life balance, and whether your program and your coaches support this work-life balance, which we know is so important nowadays. No, and, it, and it's, it's, I mean, it's paramount that, that all of your people are, are happy. You know, when they come to work, you want them to, to be, you know, kind of working, you know, for the greater good, number one of our, of our kids and our student athletes, uh, but also for each other. You know, I think when you walk through that front door and into the practice facility that we all go in, it's like, hey, I get to be here today as opposed to, to kind of have to be here. And, and I think that, you know, all of us, you know, probably have been somewhere where it's it's like little bit frustrating at, at times, whether as a player, whether as a young assistant. Um, and I think as a head coach, you, you strive and I, and I feel like I learned this, you know, in so many ways, even being a high school coach, you know, I had the, the luxury of being a high school coach for six years. And I, I joke with a good friend of mine, Wes Miller, you know, who, who got, you know, a job as a, as a college coach. And I said, Wes, I made all those same mistakes. And there was about 13 people watching you know, as a high school coach in, in rural Virginia somewhere. And, um, that experience for me has, is, is invaluable. I mean, uh, to, to be able to make however many mistakes, you know, planning practice or in games or at halftime, or after a great win, what you said to your team, or after a tough loss, what do you say to your team? Uh, and, and sometimes it was what not to do, uh, you know, looking back and, and figuring out, um, you know, what your voice is you know, as a head coach and, and who you are as a, as a head coach. But um, that piece is, is never going to leave, you know, kind of my, my, my head and my heart. And I, I'm extremely grateful for, for the folks that put up with me as an awful, awful high school coach in those first couple of years. Um, and some of those are my best relationships, you know, to this day. I think we can laugh about, man, you remember when you said this? And I said, please tell me. Please tell me I didn't say that or, or, or do that. But, um, but no, I mean, it's, it, uh, you know, you've mentioned it. I think we all have, you know, our paths, you know, make us, you know, and, and the relationships and the, the people that we worked with or for, um, you know, truly will, will help us uh, today and, and then hopefully down the road. Well, and maybe Adrian, I'm curious then, because you, you took that path too, where you coached some AAU and some high school. Was that intentional on your part to get some actual experience on the floor? Absolutely. So uh, I uh, once I finished playing, um, I had some downtime and I was trying to figure out what my next move was. And uh, I actually came up to visit and sat down and talked with Coach Behan. And, you know, I kind of threw out all these different ideas of what I wanted to do. And he said, he stopped me right there. He says, you need to be a coach you need to be in this game you you know you have a great story you have a great you know you overcome you know just your history you know single parent coming from Harlem New York uh you know graduating first you know first 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 person graduating your family like you need to be able to give back to so many kids he's like you need to be at college and then he told me he said you know you need to go 
and uh, get get involved with an AAU team and a high school team. So uh, once we left there, you know, he he kind of pointed me in the right direction, and and it, it was hard. I had to figure out, you know, what what program I wanted to be associated with. I just didn't want to be associated with any program. I wanted to kind of, uh, you know, align myself with a program that uh, that I would be, you know, happy to be a part of and also kind of speak values without saying anything of who I was. So that was my first time as making decisions. And, and I tell people all the time, you got to make decisions that align up with who you are. And sometimes they may not be the popular decision, maybe the unpopular decision, um, what everybody may think. So. Um, I definitely was intentional about going into uh, AAU in high school. You know, at first I started AAU, but high school was where I really wanted to to get involved with. And uh, my first uh, job was with Chuck Drizel, um, being an assistant coach there. And uh, and uh, then after that, I went on and helped out Glenn Forello at Paula Six. So, you know, those experiences, you know, long hours, long days, uh, you know, calling in the, the scores, all that stuff um, was a uh, was kind of my my introduction into into the, into basketball. Yeah, it's great. And I mean, Yurik, obviously, you took a little bit different path in that way, but you had diversity of experience in different programs. But I'm wondering, and and obviously, many assistants overcome this. But you will be a head coach without ever having been a head coach before, possibly yeah. at a mid to major school, right? What are the challenges potentially of that? The challenges of taking over a major program and never been a head coach before, um, you know, just I think I, I, I can, you know, I, I just had my first child um, September 23rd on my late father's birthday. Um, and probably for the last three or four years, man, I felt like I would be a unbelievable father. Um, I didn't know when that was going to happen. Obviously, God blessed us uh, about 10 days ago, whatever that is now. Congratulations. Um, I appreciate it. but. Um, I feel the same way about being a head coach. Like it's guys time. Like I, I, I do feel like I'm prepared uh, and it's going to be some things that I don't know, you know, and I, you know, I'm not afraid to, you know, surround myself uh, with head coaches, a head, a former head coach, three, you know, uh, former head coach, whatever the case is, whatever's going to be best for that institution uh, to give us the best chance to win. Um, I, I've been blessed for some great mentors. I got great relationships with all the head coaches that I've uh, worked for. Um, and so that be able to talk to Billy Kennedy, who was one time a, a coach with no head coaching experience, or Chris Beard, who was in that position, and try to pick their brains as do's and don'ts. Uh, you know, I talk to Paul Hewitt, you know, every week. Mike Davis, these are guys that uh, see, you know, potential in me and have taken a vested interest. So I will lean a lot on those guys, man, a lot, and and know that I don't know. Um, and then just try to work through it, kind of like what I'm doing in fatherhood right now. Man, I call Amir Abdul-Rahim maybe every <laughs> other day and ask. I mean, he just encouraged. I got my swallow game up now. You know, I, I got on YouTube, and, you know, uh, uh, so I, I think it's, it's one of those things, man, that, you know, the people that I surround myself with and then my mentors to be able to help me get through that. Well, I love the parenting analogy is a perfect one because you just figure it out, right? Like, even though you get hundreds of people giving you advice, at the end of the day, it's you, it's your philosophy, it's your moment, and you figure it out. And that applies to, you know, being an assistant, but also applies to being a head coach too, doesn't it? Absolutely. So curious then, what is one of the most challenging parts of being an assistant coach that maybe we wouldn't normally think about? Like we would think about the the long hours. We'd think about obviously recruiting and constantly being on the road. So come some of those things 
maybe are a little bit more obvious, but maybe what are some of the things that maybe people don't know or don't think about as much? Adrian, maybe you want to start? I, I think um, for me, um, I have uh, two teenage kids and this would go to the, to, I'm speaking into just that balance of uh, obviously we all have a commitment to our players who are like our kids. I would say we, we use that terminology a lot. Uh, everyone on this call, you know, you know, not shorten them and giving them everything um, that they need, but also that family life and, and, and that balance of being there for your kids. You know, I have a 16 year old son that's um, making that path. You know, he's starting to, you know, get some interest and he's starting to play. So just trying to be there for him and trying to uh, support him. And then I have a 14 year old daughter who's uh, she plays uh, soccer and, 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 and lacrosse and things like that. So they're, they're in their, they're in their journey. So really, you know, for me, I think that's probably one of the hardest things is, you know, from an assistant coach is just that balance. And it's probably for all coaches. Um, but just that balance of being there for your, for your players and your student athletes. Um, and also just, you know, if you have a family, just kind of being present and being around and being involved in their lives, you know, for me, that that's probably one of the biggest challenges that I've, that I that I have. I have no doubt. Uh, Joel York, you want to add something? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think the the toughest thing for for me, uh, you know, is when when things don't work, you know, in a situation. I mean, I you know, I, I'm speaking 100 professionally. I think the personal piece, you know, that that Red talks about is, you know, that's that's a little bit of a given, you know, in our in our profession. I have a son that lives in Tennessee now. You know, so we go from two and a half hours away to now the other side of the country. Um, but what that does is it is it makes your relationships more intentional, you know, either with your son, but also in recruiting. And then ultimately, when they come to, you know, our our campus. And, and I think that's the hardest part for me is is you get to know, uh, you know, our young people and their families. And, and you know, sometimes it, it doesn't work. Um, it's not the, the fit that we all thought that it might be, or, um, you know, kind of their, their aspirations, you know, they thought could be met, you know, whether it be at, at Kentucky or, uh, we haven't had that issue obviously in my new role, but, but I know that that happens in our business, you know, is, is the dreams maybe don't come true like we, we wanted them to, and, um, kind of that next step, you know, is of, of helping them you know, kind of move to, to where they feel they can be successful. And, and, and I think the positive piece to that is if you're authentic and, and genuine, I mean, one of my, you know, relationships that I have is with Johnny Juzang, you know, was with us at Kentucky. And I mean, we texted after every single NCAA game last year, how excited I was for him and I tried to convince him to, to stay in the draft. So I didn't have to coach again. Him this year, but uh, you know, shows how much impact I have. On him, I guess now, so uh, good, good, good move, Joe. Good move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think for us, I mean, I, I think those are the the toughest parts. You know, it's when they they, you know, when when things don't work like we all want them to, and and uh, I think in our in our you know chairs, all three of us sit in. You know, uh, you know, you you want that for everybody. You know, I would chime in, Chris, I would say real quick, um, I think uh, obviously there's a lot of positives to to being an assistant coach, especially when you work for a Hall of Fame type coach. Um, But I think uh, when you get convicted like the three of us are and and what we believe 
you know, offensively, defensively, culture-wise, what, what, and you know exactly what you wanted to look like, uh, and you're asked your opinion, and it's shot down. Uh, it's not necessarily your ego, but you just know, like you just know that you know this works. I got on the ladder. You know, you know, it's a million ways to win. You know, and and I think sometimes as a a veteran assistant, that can be challenging. You know. Um, you know, it's like, man, like, ah, man, I know for a fact that this is the best way to teach transition defense. Uh, but, you know, I think, you, you know, you, you, you're able to adapt and, and it's whatever is for the betterment of the team. So it's just like one of those things where, you know, I've told Coach Beard this before. Coach, you may not like it, but when you come to my practice, this is what, I, this is what I'm doing. I, I feel that strongly about it. You know, we can, but we can have those types of talks and then we can go on and move on to the next deal. So I think that to me, that's. You know, obviously what Red talked about, but, you know, that's that's probably, you know, the next biggest challenge after family time. It's great stuff. And I, I can remember a time where I was so convicted and I told my head coach, I'm like, we got to do this. we got to do this. And then we did it. And it didn't work. And it's it's really that moment that you guys have all alluded to that when something doesn't work, you have to be OK making mistakes. And to a certain extent, so does your head coach, don't they? Well, Chris, let me ask you this. I, you know. I used to beat myself up probably for the first eight years of my life. You know, I have former players and former assistants that I would work with that would come watch practice now. And they're like, Yuri, that's you? I mean, because I would just sit there because I'm like, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to make a mistake. Well, I've worked for all these big time. Chris Beard makes mistakes every day. And I think he's arguably one of the best coaches in the country. So when I, 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 when I saw that, when I saw Larry Brown teach something incorrectly and then come back to the team the next day and say, hey, guys, I want to – I want to just add something to this, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, ah, oh, that's the way you do it. Oh, okay. 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 So, you know, it, it was like eye opening, but you know, a lot of us, we have been fortunate. The three of us get a chance to make mistakes every day. It's assistant coaches. It was a while before I was able to be in a situation where I had the ownership to be able to make a mistake to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to change that tomorrow. I didn't like the way that flowed today. I'm going to do it like this. And not that just in practice, but just in every facet of the program, you know what I mean? And so um, I was just thankful for those opportunities. But, you know, when I had, when you become a head coach, I think, you know, just be like one continuous growth. Adding humanity to that, which you are all doing here, we all also doubt ourselves. Like that's all a part of the process. Like we like to portray that we never doubt ourselves. But that always happens in coaching for head coaches, assistants, et cetera, that you have this moment of saying, oh, maybe I'm not as good as I think, but you get past it quickly. I know that. But that still happens, doesn't it? It, it does. Uh, I'll jump in. I'm obviously working for Coach Beheim, and uh, and he's done it for so many years. Um, it's and, hard uh, to argue against thing- Coach Beheim, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know what? That's the one thing, you know, when I had to grow is to be able to voice my opinion and let him shoot it down every time. And then every now and then he'll come back and he'll, he'll listen. It may be just one or two slight movements or adjustments. So it's his. And I get that. You know, and I think as, <laughs> as long as it's his, you know, but the one thing about coaches, he, you know, the one thing I've learned a lot um, under him is that, like you said, that conviction and that belief. And if it doesn't work, He's okay with saying, hey, you know, I thought that would work and let's move on and we'll try something else. And that's that's been really eye-opening for someone that's been doing it so long. The way he's been able to adjust and adapt to each each year, really, uh, in each 
you know, each player, each season, um, and being able to know what we can do and what we can't do. And that's what I marvel at each year. And as we come down and we get ready for the season, you know, he'll say, you know, we could, we did this last year. That might not work with this group and blah, 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 but we'll try it. And he's always trying things. Um, but it's in what we do. And, and, and I get back to just him being able to try things. And if it doesn't work, he's okay with saying, Hey, that didn't work and moving on. Well, after 180 plus podcasts, I can say, and, and all around you guys as well, like humility is such a strong straight, a trait for coaches. And humility is always a practice, a game away, a decision away. That's always a part of this. And then you have to balance that, don't you, Yurik, with this conviction? No, no, no question. Because, uh, you know, none of us are perfect, you know. Um, but I tell you, man, you know, again, just, you know, I would take Larry Brown and Chris Beard because I think those are the two best staffs that I've been a part of. They have they, they're so comfortable in their own skin, you know, as head coaches, man, they, they, they have uh, uh, no ego. They're not insecure, which I think allowed me in both places. I grew after the other coaches were insecure that I worked for. But those guys were just they wanted the best at whatever you do. You know what I mean? They wanted to be surrounded by the best. And they understood that it wasn't them. It was the staff and us together that's allowing us to be able to win at a high level. And so um, I think to have that type of humility, too, and, and then giving your players some ownership. You know, we give our players a lot of ownership, with, whether it's player development, what, you know, our, our vets and what they see in practice uh, or how their bodies feel. Can we take a day off tomorrow? We've been two hard days. You know, y'all think we can do a go again in the third or, you know, opponent scouting, you know, even, you know, so. Uh, just to, to have that type of humility that just because I'm the head coach, it's my way or the highway. You know, I, you know, I think, you know, I've worked for a head coach like that before and it, it didn't always turn out the best. So, um, and, and Joel, another part of that, that and this applies to working with Chris Beard and applies to working with Jim Beheim and John Capari. Joel, is, is this this concept that this institutional knowledge of how they did it and then it's obviously working to a really high level. Is it hard to kind of counter that and say, why wouldn't I just do it exactly the way they did it? But ultimately, you have to be yourself, don't you? Uh, absolutely. I mean, and, and uh, you know, uh, I laugh oftentimes, you know, I worked with Kenny Payne for six years that I was at, at Kentucky and in a line that he would use more on the players than us as coaches. You know, the game will humble you, you know, is, is what he would say to, to a group of guys that come in thinking that. All right, I'm a one and done or I'm this and I'm that. And it's like, hey, man, you have a couple good games. And Kenny would get a, a, a sickening amount of pleasure out of watching, the, you know, our guys kind of be humbled. And in his words, it was, hey, look, it's, you got to figure it out. And, you know, even as a coach, I think we we all have been humbled in so many ways. And, you know, I I think I, I reflect only on my my experiences of of being a a young cocky 26 year old kid that thought, okay, I'm going to just go be a high school coach and just whip everyone's tail because I was a college player. I'd been an assistant coach at Elon for four years. This high school stuff's going to be easy. And, you know, you, I successfully coached my way out of a 20 point lead in my first game and had to figure that out. Okay. Yeah. You don't know everything, you know, or that first time that parents call your athletic director and say that, you know, their kids aren't having a good time or, you know, why is he being mean to my son? You got to really look at yourself, you know, and say, okay, am I doing the best that I can for, for my, my kids, my players? Um, 
And it's, it's one of those things, like I said, you had to, I had to figure that out and be told that you're not doing a good job by other people, you know, not, not even wins and losses. You know, people aren't enjoying their experience. People aren't um, liking being your assistant coach. You know, I had to have one of those conversations with somebody at a, <laughs> you know, at, at a younger age, you know, whereas, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you learn. And I think that's the best thing about being a coach is, is it's new challenges. It's new experiences um and i think even working for a new new boss now and, and, and bobby hurley is i've learned you know tons about myself i've also learned about him and you know the short four months that i've that i've been out here so it's uh humility is key and i think the number one you know piece of that is is our players seeing that you're you know you're humble and you're you can accept that you're you're not always right yeah and that you're helping them and I imagine another piece of this from all three of you is that you actually do crave that feedback, don't you? That you want feedback, you want to be evaluated, you want to be held accountable, and you want to be able to improve through that process, don't you? Absolutely, man. I, you know, uh, we, we call it truth-telling atmosphere uh, here at Texas. Um, almost slipped up and said Texas Tech, but, but, <laughs> but here, uh, you know, and, and even when I married my wife, you know, um, she's my best friend. Uh, but she smacks me in the face every day, you know, and she keeps me humble. She tells me the truth. Um, and the people that I've gravitated to, my friends, um, not just in the profession, but in life, man, they, they tell me the truth. Um, and, and, and I want I want that information. I think elite people want that information so they can get better. You know, whatever you, you, you're doing, whatever your profession is, you, you want the truth. And, and that's the only way you can 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 get better is is to to take that information and then try to go turn your weaknesses into strengths. In my opinion, Adrian, was that harder as a former player at first? Uh, you know, I think I was fortunate enough uh, to to hear that at a at a young age. I played on some really really uh, um, elite high school teams um, and really good high school coaches that were very demanding in your face. And that kind of carried on. And I've always had coaches um, play for coaches like that. So, uh, and, and the one thing um, that was always evident was the truth. You know, you're not doing this and being able to accept that and, and, and keep moving, you know. Um, and I always say, you know, I had to say, you know, the truth hurts. And if the, and if the truth really hurts, that means it's, it's probably true. So now how do you respond and react to that? And, uh, you know, I think every, you know, like you already said, everybody, that in this profession wants to get better and in getting better, you can't always hear what you want to hear. You got to hear some things that you're not doing you and you seek that and you want that. And, I, and I'm no different than anybody else. You know, I want to be effective and impactful. I think that's everyone's, uh, everyone's uh, journey um, as far as, you know, being a head coach, you know, you want to be impactful and the only way you can be impactful is hearing the truth. And, you know, and, you know, like you said, my wife is the same way. You know, I get a lot of truth from her. Uh, I don't want to hear it all the time, but, you know, I, I need to hear it. You know, you don't want to hear it, but you need to hear it. Hey, Coach, we have a new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your team wins, you earn cash. Using your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your team wins. Join the 7,000 plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite team. Visit www.symbol.com to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure you use the promo code 
SD to make your deposit risk-free. It's okay that kids are different, right? It's, it's okay. They're not the same as your generation. All that's a part of it. We accept it. So what are some of the practical things you can do to build deeper relationships with this generation? Um, for me, I'll answer that. Well, for me, it's, it's time, you know, spending time, you know, um, I think everyone spells, you know, spells love, you know, T-I-M-E, you know, that's just a, that's just the way it is. You have to spend time with people. And I think the more time you spend with them and the more they know you care, now you can nurture that and, and build that, that relationship to have those, those conversations and have that strength, that, that strong bond and relationship. What is this generation called? Is this generation Z or X? Oh my gosh. I, I don't know. It's some, cool. some letter of something. So when I was at Texas A&M, we did do some a generation, I think it's Z, forgive me if that's wrong, I apologize. But but we, we, we studied this generation and they gave us like some, and I thought it was impactful. I thought it was helpful um, to, you know, and then as a staff, Billy Kennedy challenged us to tell that we brought someone in again to kind of, you know, the way you coach them, the way you, you know, critique them, the way you do this, the way you do that. But I believe, you know, one of the best books I've read is uh, the, the five love languages. And we all have love languages. Um, it's where my marriage went to a whole nother level because I was loving my wife the way I wanted to be loved. But when I was, you know, her, 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 her love languages were, you know, acts of service and quality time. And so when I would, you know, clean the dishes up or come home and, you know, I kept my, put my phone on airplane mode, it meant everything to her. Then I could get her to do whatever I wanted. So with our players, it's the same thing. I'm intentional about figuring out what, what is their love language, you know? And then once I figure out what their love language is through trial and error, then all of a sudden I got them, you know, now, now, now I, 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 I got them. And, and uh, it's, what's, it's worked for us, uh, but individually, just to me as a coach, you know, I think um, I'm, I'm intentional about just trying to figure out what, the, what their love language is. Uh, the Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. I'm sure people will be looking that up now. And it's tremendous. And I agree. It, it's tremendous for your personal relationships as well as coaching. Uh, Joel, anything to add practically to uh, building these deeper relationships? Uh, I think it's, it's you know, you, Eric and I are in a little bit of the same boat, you know, with a new team, you know. And, and I think that the, the time, you know, the, the Red talked about right away is, you know, you just can't come in. It doesn't matter if I worked at Kentucky and, and you know, your, you guys were successful at Texas Tech. I mean, it's the same way in recruiting of, okay, hey, I've coached this many great players before you. Okay, well, what are you going to do for me? Mm -hmm. And breaking that piece down um, to the individual. And I, and I think the, the deposits have to be way more than the withdrawals, especially early on in a relationship, especially in a coaching or teaching you know, setting and, uh, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that has to be a little bit on fast forward, but at the same time, it has to be quality over quantity, you know? So it's, it's finding that balance with a young person of like getting to know, I mean, even the love language piece is, is, is very true, you know, of, okay, well, what makes them tick, you know, and, and what are they seeing that, that is valuable in their life? Uh, and and getting them to talk about it, you know, whether it's their girlfriend, whether it's video games, whether it's basketball, you know, something is very important to each one of our guys. Finding that out and being able to have an authentic conversation or relationship with them uh, is paramount, you know, if you ever want to be able to coach them. 
Well, and, and giving an example of that, which I'm sure Adrian can particularly, because I'm going to use his example, him playing in Turkey, the players ultimately don't care. Him playing in Turkey and relating something that can help the player, the player cares. That's the gist of all these other experiences you've had. If it can help the player, they care about it a lot. Absolutely. No, Anyone want? I think they all come. I think they all come again. It's, it's it's a journey, you know. That's the word I use. And everything that we do, everyone has their journey. And on that journey, you know, you're still trying. You're trying to accomplish something. And uh, you know, for me, um, you know, when you talk about the time, and, and Joe talked about it, you know, having those you know, those intimate conversations. And a lot of times it's not about basketball, you know, trying to get a chance to know them. You know, for example, you just can't give me a one answer question. How was your day today? It was fine. Well, no, 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 no. Talk, tell me about your day. You know, so is that the question we've got to ask a different question to not get the yes or no, right? Absolutely. You just can't allow them. You have, you know, you have to to really get in there. You got to get them to talk like Joel said, to open up, to talk about things. And they all have different interests. Um, and I think, you know, today's generation, you know, it's not just basketball. They have different other aspects in their lives that make them. And I think um, that's that's one of the keys to get to be able to coach them. You got to know them, obviously, outside of basketball, um, because that relates. It comes it all comes back full circle to when you are communicating, coaching them in that basketball setting. These other things kind of all tie in and it helps you communicate with that player differently than probably another player. Yeah, I imagine like I, I like a default answer, like, how are you doing today? And someone says, good. The meaning of good really doesn't mean anything anymore. Right. So I'm imagining a part of the culture of all of your programs is a way to be able to build these deeper conversations and deeper connections uh, where, you know, you, you build those true relationships, right? I think it's 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 one of those <laughs> most important, you know, parts of our day is is checking the pulse. And, and it's different now. I mean, I, I think you see where our kind of world is right now. And I, and I know that it, we're coming off of a season like we all had last year where there was tons of isolation. Now, I mean, there's, there's even, I mean, the first time that our young guys might interact with other people is when they come to basketball practice. I mean, if they're not, if they're in online classes or if, if they are only in a, a day where their classes meet virtually I mean, this might be their first outlet of the day and if it comes in and it's a confrontation i i don't know how i would handle that you know i think our our guys now i mean and, and our young people we have to get to to that that space with them where we're all right this is this is a positive time of of your day you know we don't want this to be the the negative part of your day i mean if you know, you come in here and you're looking, like I said, the way we talk about getting to go to work. I get to go to practice. I get to get better. I get to be coached. That's where we've got to get our young people every single day is to have them look at that. And sometimes it, there's got to be some sort of interaction before you tell them, hey, that was an awful closeout or that was an awful crackdown or you're doing something poorly. There, there's got to have something positive that, that's got to be said to them before we get to that part. Well, I think it's one of those things where we all work with, uh, you know, other coaches, maybe not on our current staffs, but um, where, you know, they see the interaction that you have with the player and another coach tries to coach them the same way you do. But 
you don't have the relationship. You didn't spend, like Red said, you didn't spend that time. So you haven't earned the right to be able to talk to him in that manner. And uh, we talked about it earlier, man, kids, they, kids and people we know, you know, who really cares for us, you know, uh, with our actions and actions speak louder than words. I, I think practices at three o'clock, I think head coaches and assistant coaches are fools if you're not trying to touch those guys multiple times before they get in there at three o'clock to make sure that, you know, you win the day uh, and meet them on their grounds. You know, we like to go eat in the cast with them. We like to go by their apartments. We keep all our guys living in apartments together, you know, hang out with them. Not because we want to micromanage them, but we want to have real relationships and be intentional about it. And it doesn't always work. You know, we, we have transfers like everybody else. Uh, but we feel like we give ourselves the best chance to have some retention, some buy-in, um, and, you know, we can have some meaningful relationships, not just in our time at Texas, but for a lifetime, you know? So I'm going to give you a few things to quick hit about, and we'll go around to all three of you a little bit to get your thoughts on. And, and let's start with this one, because we've already brought it up a little bit. What is the best way, in your opinion, to disagree with your head coach? I'll, I'll go first because I, 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 you know, I, I, I would say, um, Coach, I think, uh, you know, what I like to say is, Coach, I really like what we're doing with this particular drill. But another way you may consider it or another way I've seen it be successful is if we if we would do this, you know, uh, I think it come, as opposed to, hey, we should do this. You know, that, that drill's terrible. We should do it. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I ain't coached that having terrible drill. I, I really don't see it either. He doesn't. But, like, I just use that as an example. It could be anything. It could be, a, you know, we discipline a kid or, you know, the way he, you know, handled the situation with, a you know, a GA or whatever the case is. You know, just having, you know, I understand where you're coming from, but you may consider doing it like this. It's amazing how when you said that, it parallels how you would give feedback to a player to a certain extent, too. Like you're going to soften it somewhat, but you're also going to be very direct so they get the message. Adrian or Joel, anything else to add? I mean, I'm, you know, I think I gave, I think I gave an example a little bit earlier. I mean, obviously, kind of in the lines of Yurich is that, uh, you know, with Coach Beheim is, you know, I know we do this, but I've seen something that made, which is very similar to what we do, um, <laughs> and and it's his. You know, it has to be his, and we can make a little adjustment, just something that you know, uh, that you might want to think about. So it's really more just coming to him and obviously making that suggestion, but letting him know it's something that we do. You know, the, I think like the, the one thing about most, most coaches is that uh, if you make it seem like what they're doing is not right, you get an immediate shutdown. You know, you're not going to get the response you want. So it has to be something that, you know, is in the, is in the wheelbarrow of what, what we do. Hey, I'll say this real quick. I, I'll go ahead. I'll say this yeah. talks. The other thing, Red, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I, I'll figure out, because I just want to win, like everybody else on the screen. So I'll figure out who has his ear, who has my head coach's ear, and then I'll get to that guy and say, hey, can you please tell Coach to trap the ball screen this game? Yeah. Every game, we need to trap it. And then have them tell him, and then Coach will come in, hey, 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 you're, have you thought about, you know, man, you know what, that's a great idea. You know, I, I like that. I like that. Let's try that today, you know? And so uh, I think that's fine. Find their champion, right? Isn't that the same in recruiting too? You want to find their champion who's got their ear. Uh, Joel, anything to add to that? You know, I mean, it was, it's hard. I mean, I think it's hard to disagree with a Hall of Fame coach, you know, like I had, you know, with Cal and, 
uh, I'm, I'm figuring out kind of how to, how to have those conversations, you know, with Bobby here. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think there's, I mean, we all, I mean, as soon as you asked the question, I mean, all three people on the, on this call just immediately busted out into, I mean, the <laughs> biggest smiles that we could, because it was like, okay, who's going to be the sucker that answers this first? It, it, it tells all their secrets, but uh, no, I think we all, yeah. I mean, I think with Cal, I mean, it was, and, and this was a benefit of working for him, you know, for seven years was you could, you know, kind of Jedi mind trick him one way or the other into thinking, you know, you remember that one time that you did that one thing with that one player and it worked so well. <laughs> I think maybe it, this could be that time to go back into your bag and do it. And <laughs> you can, and, see the, and, and now they're all oh, laughing again. No, that is a whole, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, man, you just see, you see their eyes light up and they're the wheel. They stop listening to you talk about what you're, and now they're going back to thinking how good they are. And then it's like, oh, you, yeah. you can just shut up and boom, your point is done and you walk out and you're good to go. <laughs> That's funny. And, and Jeff Van Gunny talked about like, he just wanted assistance to just give them notes. Right. And it's kind of like that communication that I have with my wife sometimes is like, okay, tell me in advance what the topic is instead of just surprising me in the moment. So I know what the topic <laughs> is. Does that make sense too? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you kind of give them a heads up before you talk to them about what it's going to be. Cause there's nothing worse. You guys know this as assistance recruiting. There's nothing worse than when a kid contacts you and says, we've got to talk. I'll tell you this. I've, I've taken notes here uh, with coach beard, but this is the first year that I'm taking notes. And then I've handed him notes, whether mm-hmm. it's after an official visit, things we could have done better. And it's not in front of the group. Cause sometimes your message could come off one way when you said in front of the whole staff, as opposed to when you type something up and Paul Hewitt actually gave me a suggestion when I worked for coach Kennedy, you know, I would type my notes up after practice and slide it under his door. So then those thoughts are uninterrupted. I have to worry about another assistant that's trying to fight for his ear to, 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 you know, I, I can, he can lit, clearly hear everything that I had to say. And he, he can at his time, come into my office and then talk to me about what, what I, what I gave him. So. Well, and to that point, he can process it yeah, and then have a conversation that isn't filled with emotion. And that applies to us with players and us with each other, I'm sure too. And my wife. Yes. Yeah. Cause I started doing it with my wife. My wife was like, you're, I'm a checklist. I'm a checklist girl. When I go to the grocery store next. So when I, I, I start writing out the checklist of some things that she could do better, but she gave me a long list too. my list was, you know, she gave me a long old list, but you know, I, I think it's, it's helped our communication. Yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah, I, I think I, you know the, the other thing too. You know, Chris is is like, and I think we're all, you know, we're all in a little bit of a different place. The three people on this call, and I know you'll have people probably listening that you got to also figure out what your value is for your head coach. You know, like the amount of out of bounds plays, sideline out of bounds plays, or anything that I put under. John Calipari's door or mine was zero when I worked for him. I didn't give him one play. I didn't give him one wrinkle. Now, if it was something when it came to a player, there was a lot more of that. Or if it was recruiting, you know, hey, I've been working with Shea Alexander. Maybe hit him on this today, Cal, because I think this is what's on his mind. You know, maybe maybe go at him a little bit harder today. He's starting to feel himself a little bit. Or, hey, you know, this guy just flunked the test and he got just crushed by it. Maybe say something to him to build him up or the opposite, you know, Hey, 
in recruiting, hey, this kid had something go on positive back home or something's rough happened, shoot him a text, maybe pick up the phone and call. I think we all as as assistants find our path, you know, to to help ultimately the head coach. But also you start doing the wrong stuff as an assistant coach, then you got no voice. You know, and I, and I think that's even, you know, working for somebody new and seeing how, you know, Bobby handles his staff here uh, versus the way Cal handled his staff at, at Kentucky ultimately will be valuable, you know, for me, you know, if, if, if you get that chance, you know, to move over a, a, a chair. Adrian, you had something else down? No, I was just saying, you know, uh, obviously from the, the question prior, it was basically, you know, finding that alone time with your head coach. I think that's always beneficial. So, you know, for me, it was, it's always the day after practice, you know, right before we go into practice, you know, hey, just finish watching practice. This is what I took down. What do you think about this? You know, kind of bouncing things up. So I think the alone time, the one-on-one, obviously very similar to the, the writing that notes, I think you always get a better result with communicating with, 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 with most people, um, especially head coaches. I think that's, that's always a plus. Okay, let's go. What is the must-have trait for the assistant coach you hire when you become a head coach? What's the must-have trait or characteristic? Go your. Yeah, I, I would say I, I, I live with this idea of rave. Um, it's, it, you know, when I'm a head coach, I don't want anybody in my organization or our organization that people don't rave about. Rave. I mean, you know, you think about a, a, a restaurant. I, I was in Memphis the other day recruiting. And uh, they asked about, uh, I wanted a donut shop. And, you know, I, I brought up Gibson's Donuts. And they were like, man, this is Calipari's old spot. He never missed a morning. This is the best donut spot ever. Well, it, it, it makes you want to go check that place out. And so, uh, you know, an assistant coach that other coaches that have worked for him rave about, his former bosses rave about, the people in those communities, uh, they rave about. Um, this idea of rave, I think, is powerful. I, I believe that, you know, you know I, and then, Building a team, a staff, that, that's, that's important, that idea of rave. I love that. I love that. That gives very specific knowledge about what you're looking for in that way. Joel, uh, Adrian? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they've got to be normal, you know, in a lot of ways. Like, I, I don't want somebody that is, you know, that, that you can't have a normal conversation with one of our players. You can't have a normal conversation with me. It's too hard what we do. Like at some point, let's unplug together and let's talk about our parents. Let's talk about our kids. Let's talk about uh, food. Let's talk about, you know, something that is, it's a real life that we can step away for a second, take a deep breath and just be normal. You know, like we, like I'm one of those guys that like, look, my name's Joel, not coach. Like, don't, don't call me like, let's, let's sit back and let's, let's be normal for a couple minutes today and then we'll get back to being coaches so before adrian goes i just want to connect those two things like someone raving about you and you being normal wouldn't seem like those are the two things that go together but that's exactly what it is it's like being normal and doing your job to the best of your ability that someone raves about you and it's not this extra some one extraordinary ability that i can be clairvoyant and see the future it's just being normal and doing your job right Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I don't think, you know, people that, you know, people that rave about other individuals, those individuals are like not normal. You know, I think I think those people are very normal. Um, they just star in their roles, man. And they're, they're, they're elite at what they do and what they bring to the table. 
Uh, it's such great advice. Uh, Adrian, anything to add to the must have trait? I tell you what, I, I love those two. Um, again, uh, I, 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 those really hit, you know, and I think for me, it's kind of those things combined and I, and I, and I use it as someone that wants to make an impact and be together. You know, I don't want an individual, individual guy. I want a we guy, you know, um, and I think someone that wants to be impactful, that makes an impact on a daily basis, you know, not just when the cameras are there, but just on an everyday basis, coming in with a mindset to make an impact. And it, it may be just, you know, the smallest things, but to be just to be impactful and, and, and together and together. Well, I love that we've just given basically three things that now you can all use and anyone else that gets interviewed for a head coaching job can use and use those type of specific words to be able to describe what you want. It's just tremendous. Coach is going along with that then. And again, maybe Joel, you start with this because it was very different at Kentucky, but let's assume you don't have Kentucky's budget and staffing. Do you prefer assistance to have specific areas of responsibility or do you favor them to have a more broader or general approach? I think it all depends really on who you can get at your exact job. I think every job is different. Um, and, and depending on your budget, you know, of, of staff pool um, and the, the timing of, of where that job is, where that program is when you take over, uh, I think that you know, as a head coach, you've got to put people and players in positions where they can be successful. And I think that I can have a list on my phone of guys that I would hire as coaches. But if I got the job at a West Coast school versus a job in on an East Coast school or a job in Texas or somewhere, you know, you've got every situation is different. Um, so I, I think that for me as the head coach, you've got to just continue to put people in positions to where they can be successful. Uh, I think that probably doesn't answer your question at all, but I, I think that that could evolve even from year one to year two to year three to year four um, so that you can com combine the, you know, the group to where our team and our most importantly, our players can be successful um, all the while still working on them becoming better as individual coaches. Well, and part of this is there's a danger of you being pigeonholed into one role where someone thinks you're a defensive coach or an offensive coach. But as Yurik already explained, we're all basketball coaches and we can all do it all, can't we? And that's ultimately how you want to be portrayed. But uh, for your staffing, any other thoughts, Adrian or Yurik? Yeah, I mean, I would say this, like I, I clearly know exactly what I wanted to look like. You know, I, I want a, uh, a guy that I can lean on offensively. Uh, I want another guy that I'm a empowered to be the you know more of the defensive guy where we give all of our ideas to him and then that's the the, the liaison so to speak the defensive liaison but then that other guys I think is the special teams you know uh and empowering him in that times of you know press breaks baseline of bounds sideline of bounds two for one situations uh tip ball play uh ATOs or you know uh late game situations and then empowering that individual uh now obviously the person that I would be able to get in those roles at a low major school would be different than high major school, you know? Uh, but then the second layer to that is, you know, a, 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 a player development uh, liaison, opponent scouting liaison, a recruiting coordinator. Not that we all want having a, a part in those, but they are the liaison. And I can go to those, those individuals 
uh, when I'm looking for X. Um, and so I, I felt like, you know, it hadn't always been set up like that for me. It probably has never been set up. Any head coach, I've never worked for a head coach that had it set up it that way. But I think that, you know, I want to do what Chris Beard has done for me and others. You know, I want to help develop people. And in my mind, that's the best way to be able to do it. Um, and, and, and Dennis Gates is a, is a buddy of mine. Um, some of those ideas I, I got pulled from him. Some of them is from Amir Abdurrahim, who's another young coach. Um, and then some of them is just my own personal thoughts uh, and to be able to put my own touch to you know, how I want to run it. Adrian? Yeah, I, I'm more of a, again, I'm more of someone that uh, I don't like to label and, and pigeonhole people like you said. I, I want all my coaches to be able to have a say in, in all aspects. And again, like we talk about the roles at different places, obviously that may change based on the place that you have with the budget where you might have to delegate and, and, and give, you know, someone more responsibility for academics and more responsibility for this because of the resources that you may not have, you know, the, the way I, I'm, I'm a big, I, I'm big in, you know, how we support them off the court before they walk into the court. And I think if we can support and get them the support and get them feeling confident off the court, it makes it easier to coach them on the court. You know, because I always felt like, you know, a lot of times most of the athletes are very secure on the court. It's when they're off the court where you see those issues. And I know for me, my personal journey is when I started growing as a basketball player was when I got more confident off the court. So, um, you know, with that being said, you know, I'm very big in that. Um, and again, you know, I like all my coaches to grow up. I want them to be comfortable in every situation. You know, um, I always approach every game as if Coach Bayhams gets sick, he can't coach. Now it's up to me, you know, and, and I want all my coaches to come into every practice like that and every game like that. Oh, that's great. And that uh, obviously speaks to preparing you for your future opportunity because it's like you've already done it because you've approached it that way. That's really right. cool. Uh, another part, you, it, it shines through with all three of you that you know yourself, and you've all alluded that in to different ways that you have to know yourself, which is so important. So I'm curious, maybe Eric, we'll start with you. Can you describe one to two things that makes you an ideal potential head coach? I think it's just my CEO mentality. You know, um, you know, it's just I have no problem delegating. I'm really comfortable in my own skin. Um, both on the floor, off the floor, in the office, you um, know, and, and I think the the fact that I, you know, I've been around some winners, you know, I, I've been a part of, uh, you know, every place that I've been, we've been to the NCAA tournament or or had a hand in, in helping build those teams, um, and so um, I think those in those uh, experiences are invaluable um, and, and and allow me to be even more valuable in terms of you know. Um, a search firm or a hiring process, you know, uh, to, you know, hiring committee, I should say, to, to, to want to hire me one day. Adrian? I think it's, uh, for me, it's, it's who I am, um, starting from my background, uh, being able to uh, navigate coming from a single, single home in, in Harlem, New York, uh, being able to beat the odds, so to speak, and to win and to graduate and to, 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 to not only graduate, but to go play across the water overseas and, and get that knowledge. I just think, you know, my journey, um, when you look at it from a statistical standpoint, you know, it's not a lot of guys that kind of do and make it out where I'm from. I think that experience and being able to uh, 
And I think uh, to be able to, my, the way I care and, and I communicate, I think, um, I think those two things, my communication and my journey and what I'm about, you know, uh, you know, beating the odds and, and being consistent and being able to navigate uh, obstacles that I've faced my whole life um, prepares me to help and empower and impact any student athlete that comes through my program. Great stuff. Uh, one of my favorite interview questions ever was, tell me about a weakness you have. And I learned very early on to be able to answer that question with one of my greatest strengths is also my greatest weakness. For example, I'm competitive. That can sometimes be a weakness and it can sometimes be a strength. And it's a way of answering a question without actually telling them that you have a weakness. If you can follow that logic. So I'm curious two things. If you can share an interview question that you've heard or you experienced that kind of is one of those ones that makes you think deeply about truly who you are. Have you had one of those experiences yet? I think one of the questions that, uh, that kind of made me think that was uh, someone asked, uh, give me the definition of tough. And uh, obviously that's a, you know, in the business that we're in and um, how fast paced it is and how result driven it is and all these things that kind of, you know, uh, go along with being a coach and, and things like that. I think uh, that question really kind of, it gets you, it takes you back to your values. Um, and uh, you can actually, you can answer it in a numerous different ways. But I thought that question right there really kind of got me to think about like what you said, like is, you know, what, what is tough? And you can answer that through a, a, a many different ways. Well, it's such an abstract comment or question to ask. And, and then in a way, it also should now reflect modern coaching which is I'm sure part of that mindset of that question is just say, Oh, whoa, are you still in the past or are you approaching things from a more modern perspective? So that's an awesome one. Uh, Yurik or Joel, you have another. Uh, I mean, I, I, I hate the question. And and this is like, it's the toughest one for me that I feel like I've tried to prepare for it. Tell, tell me about yourself. I I feel like, I have like I can give you I can give you ATOs I can give you press breakers and it's the the questions of like I knew it's like and I knew you were going to ask that question when you when we sat down and it's like you know it's it, trying to find that that balance of you know that that elevator speech I guess of of being authentic but also you know we're we all prepare we know guys tendencies we know plays we know times situations but then that is for me is just so dang difficult to yeah. talk about myself you know and 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 then get to try to figure out okay what do they want me to say you know what do they, what are they wanting me to say about myself that gets them to like me in this exact one and having done a couple different interviews i feel like i've had a different answer for each one and that ain't the point of the question. The point is to talk about yourself and that shouldn't change. But my goodness, that's tough. Hey, you know, Joe, that's pretty good. Cause I'll tell you, um, talking to some of my 80 mentors and, you know, asked them, I asked them before a couple of interviews I went on this past spring, how do I handle that? And all three gave different answers. All three, cause they knew me very well. They gave me an example of what they were hit on. And it was just, kind of, I was confused. You know, so yeah. I was like, man, I'm just going to be myself, man. I'm just going to do the best I can on it. You know, and, 
And obviously, I didn't do a good enough job. I didn't get the job. So, <laughs> but uh, I think the two questions that really got me was, you know, what does leadership uh, look like or mean to you? Uh, which is a broad question. You know, it means a lot of different things. Uh, you know, and and uh, you know, the one that was really good, I thought, um, was, uh, you know, you're not in a position of being a decision maker. So tell me in about a, a, a time where your head coach or one of your former head coaches allowed you to make a mistake or allowed you to make the decision and it was the wrong one. How did you respond to that? I thought that was a really good one. I thought that was a really good one. <laughs> it's that was great. Yeah. Uh, th- these are all great because, it may, again, any coach that's sitting there should now be thinking about this and writing them in their notebooks about kind of who am I? And answer these kind of questions that could trick you up. It's tremendous. I'll share one quick thing. Uh, my wife shared it with me from the B2B world, the business world. And this is this concept of a 12-second pitch. Is that can you tell someone about yourself in 12 seconds? I'll give you mine really quick. I am Chris Oliver, founder and creative mind behind BasketballMersion.com and the Basketball Podcast. I help basketball coaches get more out of their practices and players by training decision-making and applying a games approach. Bam, that's it. Really, really specific, really succinct. And here's where you practice it, coaches. Write your Twitter bio. If you go look at a B-Ball Immersion Twitter bio, you'll see it's basically representative of that statement. And that's where you can kind of connect it back to yourself. We're so humbled and grateful for all three of you to spend some time and share this with you. And I know all of us will also follow your careers a little bit deeper now, kind of with this personal connection that you provided us about an insight into being an assistant. And then you working towards a future head coaching job as well. So I cannot thank you for sharing the game with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Appreciate all you do. Hey, coach. The best player development is coach development. It's never too late to join basketballimmersion.com. And now we've added two more courses, one on youth basketball coaching and one on advanced pick and roll concepts. Now you have over 25 courses to be able to learn from in addition to 600 videos and 70 plus masterclasses from experts around the world. In addition to an engaged, like-minded community, go to basketballimmersion.com or DM at bballimmersion on Twitter to get started today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the Basketball Podcast and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things Basketball Immersion, Subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter.